He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh, that is amazing! Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward, and one of the founding fathers of the 73rd Hole Podcast, Colby Powell, with us today and we are getting 2024 started off right fellas we have the century coming up a signature event to start the year big time event we'll give you that preview here in the first segment and then we haven't caught up with colby pal so we're going to talk about all the things that we haven't talked about with colby throughout the year whether it be live whether it be ball rollback or we might make some predictions for the year as well who knows where this show is going but fellas we got to start off like I said with the century at Kapalua in Colby's favorite word for me to say Hawaii Colby pal I'll start off with you what are your thoughts on this big event to start off 2024 well first of all I'm just so glad that I got brought in on a Hawaii that is just the highlight of my 2024 so far um yeah it's got a little different feel to it I'm not gonna lie it's got a little different feel to it it, it's always a fun watch because you get to turn it on in the evening. It can kind of be up for me now that I've got the kiddo. It can be on in the background until kiddo goes to sleep and then just sit down and kind of leisurely watch. So I've always loved the century. I, I still will like the century and enjoy watching it, but it has a little different feel. All of golf kind of has a little different feel right now. So, um, yeah, Rory, I guess, is the only eligible player who's not there. He never goes out to, to Hawaii for whatever reason. Hawaii, pardon me. Um, but, yeah. All the other guys who are eligible will be there, and it'll be a fun tournament, just not quite what we probably come to expect, expect from the first event of the season. Just one of my favorite names of a tournament of the entire year, guys. It used to be the Tournament of Champions, where you had to actually win a PJ Tour event to get in this tournament. And now we decided to make it a tournament of qualifiers because so many people left the PGA Tour and may, would have made this field about 15 players deep. So at least it's a better field because of that, but the name needs to be changed officially for sure but just look at the quality of players there as Colby alluded to Rory the only big name that's not there who is able to play so it's going to be a great show Scotty Scheffler a heavy favorite at 15.6 percent chance Victor Hoffman right there Colin Moore Cowboys always played this course fairly well the three or four times that he's played it so I don't know Woody I, I think that this also is a course that's very favorable to the driver you you it fairways are pretty wide Sam's played the course so he can test to that not the hardest fairways to hit and the ball rolls forever so I look for guys that drive the ball exceptionally far. It's going to be a bomber's paradise this week, in my opinion. You know why they don't have a Champions Tour event there, don't you? Why is that? You what guys is- know why? Because you got to be a part mountain goat to walk this sucker. And once you hit a certain age, you ain't going to make it. Okay, so that is so FYI. You guys know that. So great golf course. Uh, to me, you know what? I mean, I still I'm old school. It, it, golf doesn't really really get me really fired up till the Masters. And that's because golf starts in Oklahoma about then. But this is such a cool golf tournament. Just what Colby says, you can watch it at night. You can just turn it on and see the ocean breezes. And uh, they always shoot pretty low scores at this golf course. And when I got to play it, I didn't think it was all that easy, but they sure make it look easy. But T-Dub's right. It's a bomber's paradise. You can, you can just 
fire that driver at will everywhere you want pretty wide the greens are what makes it kind of treacherous in my opinion but uh it, you know what's going to be cool is let's get off to 2024 and try to keep controversy at a minimum we'll, we'll hope that they get this all figured out what they're going to do with these tours but let's watch some good golf i'm excited i'm ready to get it going and like T-Dub alluded to, it's not just PGA Tour winners. 59 players in the field this week. The top 50 from the FedEx Cup points list of last year were eligible to play in the event. And fellas, $3.6 million to the winner, 2.1 to second, 1.3 to third. And if you finish fourth place, you get a measly $975,000. John Rahm, defending champion, is obviously not in the field. He shot 27 under here last year. Goes to Woody's point that the scores are going to be low, guys. This is a very easy golf course comparatively to other PGA Tour venues, but it does kind of open itself to every single golfer, right? I mean, just because the fairways are wide and you can bomb it out there, you can hit a drive 450 yards on 18 on that fairway. Some shorter hitters like a Colin Morikawa, a Tom Hoagie, or, you know, even a Matthew Fitzpatrick, all those guys finished top 10 last year. So it can go different ways. I'll start with Colby first. What names are you looking at this week to have a good week? Are you looking at how they played at the Hero, or are you looking at prior course history? What kind of golf are you looking for this week, Colby? Yeah, the first name I will update is the name of the event, because I've done some Googling, and I've bounced around a couple different sites, and I'm on the official PGA Tour site. And guys, as far as I can tell, this tournament is now just called The Century. They've, they've dropped the Tournament of Champions. I mean, obviously, right? It just sounded dumb. So I believe we are now just the Sentry at Kapalua. So, Taylor, I'm sure that that'll make you happy. You won't have to roll your eyes at the Tournament of Champions logo all week. Well, that does make me happy. Yeah, I, I'm actually seeing that now. I look at You look at last year, and it says Sentry Tournament of Champions and all the past results. And then you look at this field right here, and it says the Sentry. I'll be damned. Well, they finally came to their senses. At least they changed it. <laughs> so the one or two years that they had it, the Tournament of Champions, when it really wasn't, they can have that asterisk by the name of the tournament. But I'll go ahead and answer Sam's question. I'm looking at a, pretty much a course history type of thing. Traditionally, the winner of this tournament has played this tournament a good amount of times before they played it. It takes a little bit, because as, as Sam said, it kind of opens up the door for everyone. But at the same time, getting to know those greens just a little bit more, I think, adds up to the reason that that, that trend has been the case. You look at someone like Colin Morikawa, who's going to end up being my one-and-done pick. This week, the first one-and-done tournament of the year. Can't wait to get that started. He's gone 7th, 7th, 5th, and 2nd. The two times that he's played had the collapse last year where he should have won. So he's the guy that I'm looking out for. Ricky Fowler's played this tournament really good as well, and he actually won a tournament last year, so he would have been playing this tournament anyway. He might look for someone like him. Spieth has a very good record here. Shoffley has a good record here. So I'm looking at some guys like that, Sam. And then you could obviously go with uh, the favorite, heavy favorite with 15 0.6% chance Scotty Scheffler to win, who was actually named player of the year today. We could talk about that here in a little bit. But yeah, I think it's going to be one of those guys for sure. Hey, Woody, I got a question for you that's a little bit different. These greens are grainier than any greens that these players will play all year. Does that favor a bad putter or a good putter or neither? Well, I, I you know, I always used to think that grainy greens favored a bad putter. Uh, anything that was really slick and, and really true favored a good putter, okay? So 
these greens are just so goofy. I think that's why it's tough for a guy that's never played the course to play it well the first time. Although, uh, one of the guys I look for, uh, because he got rookie of the year honors, is Eric Cole. I think, I think he might jump out right off the box and have a really good week this week. Another guy that I think will surprise you at this golf course is Brian Harmon. But I'm, I'm still, I'm with T Dub. It's hard to go against Scheffler or and, and or Victor for that matter. So uh, Morikawa, I don't know, guys. This is a crapshoot. You just, I, I, this is one where I'm not in the one and done because I'm no good at that stuff. Colby, you'll, you'll learn as you listen to us. <laughs> um, but throw a dart, throw a dart, and I think if you hit the board with a name, the guy can win it almost. I listen a lot, Woody, and I enjoy your picks and I enjoy your rationale behind your picks. I uh, tomorrow afternoon, three thirty nine our time is the last pairing, and it's Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler, and Victor Hovland. So bum, there's no Raw, wow. bum, there's no Rory, bum that some of the big guys aren't there. But I will, I will have my TV on tomorrow afternoon, and I will be watching Spieth, Scheffler, Scheffler, and Hovland. That's a good power pairing for them to run out for the final group of the day for the first round of twenty twenty four. Nothing better than primetime no golf, fellas. I love when tournaments are in Hawaii. Um, fellas, Scotty Scheffler, Victor Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantlay, Xander Shoffley are your top five favorites. I'll ask Colby about Victor Hovland. You said you have some uh, breaking news for us, at least as we're recording this podcast here about Victor Hovland. Right, Colby? Yeah, like 30 minutes before we hopped on to do this. I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything before I hop on here. I see on Twitter a bunch of people are reporting it now. Victor Hovland and Joe Mayo have split. Joe Mayo, you know, everybody, he became famous in the world of golf last year because he just revolutionized Victor Hovland's chipping and took him from a guy um, who was just hoping to get it on the green to a guy who was legitimately, that was a strength of his game. He won the tour championship. Uh, he chipped in on the first hole of the Ryder Cup. Like, um, this is a big deal, and, and it doesn't sound like it was great. I mean, I don't know. We're, we're just giving a bunch of no comments. From both sides. Joe Mayo doesn't have anything to say. Victor Hovland doesn't have anything to say. They're just split. And uh, this is pretty shocking, Taylor. I mean, these two were kind of uh, two peas in a pod throughout this season as Victor Hovland improved his short game. Well, he just improved it so drastically. That was the thing. He went from being one of the worst chippers in the game to actually gaining shots around the greens and actually was one of the best bunker players on the PGA Tour. So, yeah, it is extremely shocking. And then we all know as well as I do, anytime when both sides aren't willing to comment, usually there's something that occurred that is not uh, extremely good whatsoever, and that looks like that is what happened. So I'm not going to sit here and speculate what happened. We just know where we're at now, Woody, and you being on PJ Tour with coaches and stuff like that, you probably, and seeing it, can attest to you. There's something behind the scenes that we don't know about that uh, definitely transpired. Well, that, for both of them to say no comment, uh, you know, if they would have said something like, well, we're, we're just going our different ways or, or we, we're all good. Don't worry about us. We're just taking a break. Or There was a lot of ways you could approach it, you know what I mean? But say both of them to say no comment, uh, that that is interesting. And and we all know Victor. We, I don't know Mayo from come sick of him. I wouldn't know the guy if he walked in the room right now. But we all know Victor. He's been a friend of all of ours. He's been just as cordial as he can be for all of us. So, I can't imagine what could have happened that would get uh, a Victor Hovland to just go, yeah, no comment, I'm done with him. So, uh, I don't know. You know, that's why we love golf. Uh, The year started, and here we go, bam. (laughs) We don't even get out of the box, and we already got a great story. So, 
I'm sure by the end of the week we'll get more scuttlebutt of what really did happen. Yeah, and, and Colby just texted us this, that Todd Lewis tweeted out that Hovland improved 91 positions and strokes gained around the green from 2022 to 2023, and he chipped it nice in big events, gaining shots and around the greens in the U.S. Open PGA and the Masters last year, not to mention that he gained over half a shot in the Tour Championship around the greens as well. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. So that brings me to my question is... Do you guys still trust Vahovlin in this tournament at the Century? Because I do. I think he would be a great uh, pick if if you're in the one and done. By the way, let's talk about the one and done for two seconds. Don't be afraid to throw out a big dog this week because it's three point. What did I say? Three point six or three point nine million dollars this week to the winner, and there's only fifty nine players in the event. So. Don't be afraid to run out a big dog. I still trust Hovland this week. I'm not throwing him out there in the one and done because I like someone a little bit better. But, Colby, do you think we should trust Hoffy this week even though he just got rid of his chipping coach? Yeah, I mean, maybe not enough to throw him out in a one and done. Maybe if you're in a, a two and through, you can throw him out if you still get to use him later in the year. But I think I'll save him when he shows some of that good form because when he gets hot, he stays hot for a month. So I think I'll wait to see the good form and go with one of the guys with the course history. I, I still trust Hovland long-term. Like, the things that Joe Mayo taught him, I don't think Victor Hovland's going to forget how to do those things. He, he kind of knows what he needs to do now. He knows what feels right to him around the greens. And so I don't think that the split's going to have that much of a negative impact on his chipping. Um, but yeah, I think I'll go with one of the guys with a stronger course history here over a guy who's having to answer questions about what is now a public split um, with a coach who everybody credits with revolutionizing his game a year ago. Yeah, I think that uh, you look at Hovland and his course history here. He's played here three times, 33rd, 30th, and 18th in his three appearances. So there's definitely guys with better course history. One thing you can say is that he's improved each time. He's improved on the greens each time. Going to the points that we've been making about having to get used to these greens is extremely important. So I'm very much on Colby's side. I think Hovland's going to have a good week. I think he's going to have a better than 18th finish. So I do think he'll have his best finish in his tournament history here. But I, would I be shocked if he won? Absolutely not. No, but I'm going to go with some other players that I think would have a higher chance. And as I alluded to earlier, I want to dump it, Colin Morikawa has played four, four times, seventh, seventh, fifth, and second. That's uh, very much a good course history there. So, yeah, there's uh, definitely some other guys to go on to. But once again, let me shock. Cause, and I agree with Colby 100% in the sense of I'm not going to forget the stuff that he learned. I mean, he's a very intelligent human being. He's not going to forget that. And he's proven that he can do the chip big which is what is the most important thing. So the things that really matter from the coaching thing, I think Hovland's already picked up on it. It's probably not going to phase him one bit. You know, I don't know if you guys saw this, Sam. His One of his New Year's resolutions from Hovland was he wants to uh, get better at his lag putting. Well, this golf course is brutal as far as lag putting goes, and that's why he might not have done as well here as other years, uh, as other players. I didn't realize this. He ranked last year 174th from 20 to 25 feet he was wow. 126 from outside 25 feet okay so i didn't see that towards the end of the year last year because he hit some unbelievable lag putts to me when i watched him win at the tour championship but obviously he has struggled with that part of his game even though i didn't realize it so uh this is not a good golf course to not be a good lag putter i'll just tell you that the greens are huge a lot of grain, like you said, Sam. Lots of breaks. So, um, 
yeah, I wouldn't. I'd shy away from him this week for one and done for sure. Silver lining, though, on a guy like Hovland, it's going to be super windy out there. Obviously, playing his college golf at Oklahoma State, used to the wind. Scotty Scheffler also used to the wind growing up in Dallas. I'm going to go ahead and just give you guys my one and done pick. I'm going with Colin Morikawa, a guy last year who did have the rough Sunday, only shooting one under in the final round to finish at 25 under, two shots back of Rom. Maybe a little chip on his shoulder headed into this year. And when we saw him last at the uh, Hero World Challenge, he finished solo seventh place. Pretty solid finish at the Hero in the Bahamas, fellas. So I'm going with Colin Morikawa in the one and done because, like I just said, the course history, the recent form, and I don't necessarily think he's going to win a major this year, so I'm not saving him for one of the four majors. So give me Colin Morikawa in the century and the first signature event of the year. Colby, who's your pick this week? Yeah, I'm actually uh, skipping out on the the official one and done pool this year. I told y'all before we came on, I'm I know, I know. I'm finally announcing the listeners too. I left NBC a couple of months ago. Um, just wanted more time, nights and weekends. Like the schedule now that we have a, a toddler, we're doing gymnastics, we're doing a bunch of different stuff. Um, just wanted to be around my daughter more. So uh, left that, doing some different things now. And I'm busier than ever. I didn't set my pick. I missed like seven tournaments last year. I'm just <laughs> donating to the pot. If I was in, if I was in this week, I'd go with Morikawa because he's he's kind of burned me the last few years. So I would take him in a place where you can almost guarantee a top 10 based on his course history, but I am being lame and staying out of the one and done. I will still be in on all the major pools and I will still be in on weekly DraftKings um, when I remember to set it, but I know I won't remember to set my one and done pick. Colby, if it makes you feel any better, <laughs> I missed seven tournaments last year too. Maybe even more. I just started only putting picks in for the majors and the signature events, and it put me up there. I think I finished like fifth or sixth. Maybe I should have actually put in picks for the events I didn't care about. <laughs> That's insane that you finished that high missing that many tournaments. That means that you hit some serious winners. I did. He I did. did. I he, hit a few. He, he went on a roll at the end of the year, Colby. <laughs> crazy. At the end of the year, he went crazy. I'll tell you a guy on the one and done that you guys might want to, uh, the listeners, if they get crazy, they want to do it. Speed. You know what Speed's New Year's resolution was, guys? He said it was to make it as easy as possible. Back in the day when he first got on tour, <laughs> he didn't have 42 swing thoughts. He wasn't going through all those gyrations. He just was out playing golf. And so, Let's see what his year starts like. Can he do that? Can he can he just go play golf again like he did when he was a kid? He's still a kid. That's called that's really that's kind of stupid to say he's not a kid. But when he first came on tour, he just played and he, he now he was erratic and he was all over the lot and a lot of times. But he he just got the ball in the hole. Then he got into swing thoughts so much that I just didn't even want to watch him. His practice screen swings. I just wanted to throw up every time I saw him. So uh, let's see if he can come out of the box. He's he's one that I would look at. I'm like Colby. I can't ever do those one and dones. I never remember to do all that. So, but I would not be surprised. Just on the back burner, I'll say Jordan Spieth this week's going to win. He did finish solo sixth at the Hero 14 under par. T Dub, who's your pick? My pick. I'm going with you. Say I'm going with Colin Morikawa. So that's a, a good sign that we're both going with the same player. So he's probably going to. Have play three rounds and be up there and then have to withdraw or get stroked <laughs> two times because he reads his yardage book with markings from a, a green reading book. He's going to get stroked for that. Matty Fitz is going to have an eye out for him. But, but to y'all's point, at least to Woody's pick, 
in the sixth time is your second win, third night, 21st, and 13th. So very good course history there. Five out of the six times he's gained shots on the greens. One thing I will say that could be very scary to watch, Scotty Scheffler, his two times he's played here, 13th and 7th. But both times he gained more than half a shot on the greens, which is something he never does. So it's obviously greens that he, he likes and has putted well. So if he does that, without well hits the ball, he might win by five or ten shots. I'm extremely excited about it, fellas. Primetime golf coming up this weekend, and it's a signature event to start off 2024. Let's go ahead and hit a break here, and then after the break, we're going to talk to Colby Powell about an assortment of stuff in the golf world. So stay with us. If you're not already following us on social media, go ahead and do that. It's at the 73rd hole on X and at 73rd hole on Instagram. Also, go visit our friends at golfoklahoma.org. Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a great job up in Tulsa covering local golf in the state of Oklahoma. More after the break here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole podcast. Hey everyone, T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McCrayRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. back on the other side of the break on the 73rd hole podcast the official podcast of golf oklahoma quickly before we get to some other stuff with colby powell uh we were talking during the break and there is some equipment changes for some of these players at the century woody why don't you start and then colby i think you had some more stuff to add about different players using some different clubs at the century well i just was i was just curious to see about morikawa he had, he had gone away from the, the driver that he used for TaylorMade forever, that Sim. He really liked that to his QI-10. And you guys were saying, I didn't know that's one Rory would shift it to. And T-Dub said the Tigers starting to hit that driver. So, you know, uh, that driver's really a, an interesting club that these guys are not afraid to bring a new one into their bag. Lots of times it's tough to pull a putter out we were laughing about three wood once you find a three wood that you like you don't want to give that up or anything but drivers these guys will change on a, a moment's notice with a driver so morikawa has always been a really good driver so this this new head by taylor made must be pretty good yeah it's the one rory's using and what i thought was interesting about his bag is he switched his driver and his five wood to the qi10 and he left the sim in for his three wood i think the driver it's just so different than every other club because it's just all about the numbers. What what maximizes your distance, reduces your spin, maximizes your carry, optimizes your launch angle. And if you get the right numbers on the monitor, we're switching today, baby. So, um, yeah, they, they shuffle these, these drivers through just about every year now with the new model. 
just to Kobe's point, yeah, the modern driver head, it's, it's just so much easier to hit the ball straighter now than it's ever been. So it's, it's so much easier to fit that compared to a three wood. It's very, very hard to fit a three wood right in the three wood head and shaft combination. So exactly. It's very much like, like Kobe said during the break, Henrik Stinson's three wood that he had is the exact same thing with the old Graffoy blue shaft. That thing was 10 years old when he used it to win at Royal Troon when he beat Phil Mickels. So it's, to the same point, if you find something you like, like you, when it comes to that, don't get drivers. You can change them out every single year because, as we've been just saying, it's about track man numbers and how far the ball goes. Three woods are a lot like putters, fellas. <laughs> if you find one that looks good to you and you have confidence with, you keep that in the bag. Just find a three wood that you don't top and keep that one in the bag forever. Hey, uh, Sam. Yeah, go ahead. What's Sam, up, Sam? I don't mean to interrupt you, but I was just reading a little bit about this driver. Actually, Morikawa's not playing the same one that Tiger and McIlroy are playing. They're playing the QI-10, but there's just an LS driver where he uh, Morikawa's playing the QI-10 Max driver. Now, the Max driver, from what I understand, is going to be the one that they sell to the general public. I'm not sure about this LS driver, what it is or why that one is what Tiger and Rory are playing, but they are both playing a QI-10, but one's called an LS and the other's called a Max. How about that for just even more screwed up? No, huh? That's interesting, <laughs> and I saw that a bunch of the uh, Callaway guys that are sponsored by Callaway are putting the new Paradigm driver in. Drivers are wild. They're all different as opposed to irons that are all the same. And so most of the big changes you'll see season to season are guys switching drivers and driver models as opposed to uh, different looking irons. They're all pretty much the same on well, and the PGA Kobe, Tour. Kobe had a good Colby had a great point. It's all based on that track, man, and those numbers. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Tiger and Roy, I'm betting their swing speeds are more than Morikawa's. So something probably about the max fit his spins or his swing speeds, whatever it is. But Colby's spot on when he said, hey, they fire a golf ball and the guy goes, that's perfect. This slot and changle, this spin, you just got 15 yards. And guess what? They go, see you by and away they go. They leave. Colby is exactly right. No doubt about it. Uh, fellas, let's, uh, let's address some of the news that came out this morning, and it'll kind of lead us into a little bit of a live discussion since I know the people out there who – have listened to Colby and obviously know that Colby worked for the Golf Channel for a long time after he left the 73rd hole. They are interested in us having a little live PGA Tour discussion today. And so let's start it off with what Rory said this morning, said on a podcast, said, quote, I was maybe a little judgmental of the guys who went to live at the start, I think it was a bit of a mistake on my part because I now realize that not everyone is in my position or in Tiger Woods' position. Um, let me ask this question first. Does Rory McIlroy backtracking off of his strong live stance mean that there's an impending merger coming sooner than we think, possibly? Um, I'll hop in here. I, I think... Um I don't know if I would call it backtracking so much as like June 6th just changed everything, right? Like it changed everything. And Rory, I think, thought that he was fighting the good fight and thought that he was doing what was right for the, the game of golf long term. And then June 6th happened and it was just like this punch in the face that was like, oh my God, like 
what have I been fighting for here? Like, this is happening. Whether I want it to happen or not, this is happening. When all this money comes into the game, you, you, you can't stop the money, right? And I, I think that Rory has had more of a realization of that over the past six months, and it's brought him to where he is now. And I, I do think that um, that a deal is going to be coming. Just out of curiosity, did anybody have time today to listen to this interview? Because I listened to it in full, and I'm just curious if anybody else... No, I, I haven't. Tell, tell us more. Up. Tell us more if... Uh... If he said anything else, I just saw the quotes that were on Twitter. Yeah, no, I I think that the most interesting thing here, and again, all the publications posted the same headline because they wanted everybody to click on that quote. But Rory said in here that he met with Yasser at the end of 2022. So about 13 months ago now in Dubai, he met with Yasser. And they had a conversation, and Rory talked to Yasser about what he wanted. And then Rory went back to the U.S., and he talked to the guys on the board and said, hey, somebody needs to go talk to Yasser and see if we can figure this thing out. And then Rory didn't know that the, that the announcement was coming on June 6th. He said the contact was first made in April. And then he was surprised when it was announced on June 6th, just like everybody else. But I thought it was very interesting that Rory said that he was the one who first spoke to Yasser and told the PGA Tour guys to go meet with him. Because that seems like new news, right? And and that wasn't the grabby headline. And it seems like that would I piss like, off. Sorry to interrupt, but it, it seems like that would piss yeah, off other bad. PGA Tour players, right? <laughs> I mean, that Rory was talking yeah, to Yasser. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, again, I don't know because there's this is just so layered at this point that I think a lot of the um, anger and the vitriol and the just this side or that side, you have to be one or the other. Like I just think June sixth change that because they, they just they announced on that day hey we're not competitors anymore we're trying to figure it out and and yes they're still kind of competitors and Rob goes to live and all this stuff but I, I don't know how the, the poor guys feel about it because June 6th just made it such a different golf world that we're living in where in the very near future we could have the, the tour and live coming together um, which Sam you predicted that at the start of last year I didn't think it would happen that fast I thought it would be years before that happened so shout out to you for your foresight there but um, yeah, I don't know how the tour guys w- would feel about it. It's just, yeah, June 6th t- changed a lot of things for a lot of people. I will say this. I think it's sombering that Rory's at least saying this now and not being the blatant hypocrite that he was earlier in the time. And I do think that Kobe is right, that he was doing what he thought was best for the PGA Tour and his opinion golf, but he was also doing what's best for his pocketbook. And at the end of the day, you can't blame a guy for doing that. That's what everyone did who went to live. And I think that's what, Rory's kind of finally met in here. He's, and he left the PGA Tour board earlier this year. Speed took his place. So there's, he's definitely saying, I'm tired of being the guy trying to be your, the spokesman of this holy glory bandwagon that we're trying to get on. And so from that perspective, I think that it's really good that it, he's at least saying this now instead of stuff that he was over the past, the last calendar year. And maybe him saying this in turn this time, maybe what's best for his golf game too, and focusing on trying to get the ball in the hole in a major championship instead of trying to, to answer questions about the state and the future of the PGA Tour against a very heavy competitor. So it's, and as Colby's alluded to, it's just that June 6th changed every single thing in golf. We're going to look back on that day in a decade and say that was the biggest change that could have possibly happened in the, in the game of golf. And uh, to this point, it's only happened about six months ago. So there's a lot of things that need to transpire up to this point for that to happen. We'll see what happens. And But like I said, it's good that Rory's at least t- changed his tide from what he was over the last year. Well, they have to. Uh, T-Dub, everybody has to. They have to 
we can't ever fix this, guys, if we have people throwing rocks at each other all the time, okay? you got to find some equal ground. I still think, well, what you guys said, follow the money. We said follow the money. Well, if you're following the money, Yasser and that PIF has more PIF has more money than anybody can possibly even raise or think of getting for the PGA Tour. So until it took June 6th, because I think up until that point, I'm not sure what drugs Jay Monahan was on, but he thought he was going to be able to go toe-to-toe with these guys. There's not a chance. There was no chance. And to lie to everybody about it was even worse for him. And Colby, yeah, I've been on, but I, I said if, if I was a PGA Tour player and that guy was my commissioner, I would be the first in line to say fire his ass. He let so many people down. He did a such a bad job. But I'll tell you where I think they're having trouble with this guys getting this figured out how they get together you know where i think the biggest issue is what's that i think they're still they're still trying to say well because you didn't go to the p from leave the pga tour and go to this we're going to give you this much money you know what i say to that f you guys those guys like taylor gooch and now john rom and and bryson dechambeau and brooks kepka they took it they said you know what i'm I know it's going to be brutal, but I'm going. And you weenies that didn't want to do it, and you think now you deserve something on the backside, if I'm Yasser, I'm saying, I ain't paying Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas or any of those guys or Rory McIlroy or Tiger Woods. I'm not giving you any money because you didn't come. We'll start from scratch. You know what? We'll get everybody together. We'll figure out how to make a worldwide tour. But you think I'm going to give you guys millions of dollars because you were loyal to the PGA Tour? I'd, if I was Yasser, I'd say go go fly up a rope. I'm not giving you nothing. I could care less about that. And I think that's a sticking point right now. I, I'm not, I don't know this. I have no earthly idea if I'm right or wrong. But I think I'm right. I think they're trying to still get a lot of money for the guys on the PGA Tour that didn't leave. No, I'm with you on that, and you can't compensate those guys, in my opinion, for making a bad business decision not to go, and obviously now they regret it. A guy like Patrick Cantlay, for instance. But I really agree with what T-Dub said about Rory McIlroy. I think that Rory realizes that it's been a decade since he has won a major and he's trying to make the least amount of headlines as possible this year. He resigned from the player policy board. He is kind of backing down a little bit on his live stance and he is trying to focus on golf this year, which should be good news for all you Rory McIlroy fans out there. Um, And then as far as where I think this is all going. I, th- I think, like Colby mentioned, that my big prediction before last year was that they would come to a merger, come to an agreement between the PIF and the PGA Tour. My big prediction, Colby, before this year was that before the end of the year, we will have some plan in place that in 2025, these players on Live and the PGA Tour will be playing against each other more than four times a year. And what did Woody say? We've been following the money, and I think it's just inevitable that too much money can be made if 
live in the PGA Tour end up merging and have you know more events with elite players in it. And it, it'll make tournaments like this week a whole lot better if you have a defending champion, John Rahm, playing in your event, um, for instance. So I think that will start happening more if you follow the money. I just think that's inevitable. So, uh, Colby, I, I don't know where you want to go if you want to go to Rom after that. But my, my point is, fellas, just follow the money. And I think that this is good news for Rory McIlroy's golf game. Yes, was he a massive hypocrite? But, yeah, I give him credit for at least acknowledging the fact that he was not just a little judgmental, extremely judgmental, basically acting like the guys that went to live were the scum of the earth. Yeah, I and again, I'm, I'm a huge Rory McIlroy fan. I always have been. Um, I really do recommend the interview he, he did today. They talked about, I mean, he went on with it for like an hour. So the headlines that you saw today, this was like 30 to 60 seconds of an hour long conversation, uh, which I thought was really good. So uh, I did listen to the Holies. I, I heard your prediction. Great show, by the way, if anybody hasn't had a chance to listen to the Holies yet. I, I do think that these two sides and maybe even the, the SSG or whatever the other group is, I just think that they're going to have to come together at some point in 2024. Because one thing, and this is kind of the consensus that I've gotten from everyone I've talked to, people who were pro PGA Tour at the start, people who were pro live at the start, whatever you thought about June 6th, everyone agrees the game is watered down right now, and the majors are crazy exciting. But outside that, we're really having to talk ourselves in to getting excited about some of these other tournaments. And, and I think that that goes for the PGA Tour and live because neither side has all the best players in the world there. And... I mean, Liv's got, I, I, don't even, I don't know off the top of my head, 7, 10, 12 of the best players in the world that you really want to see week in and week out on the PGA Tour. And the PGA Tour still has elite guys, but they're missing those guys. So I think what everybody kind of has, has realized now after a couple of years of dealing with this is, okay, this drama, this is all fun and everything, but let's figure it out because this can't go on for another 5, 10 years where we don't have all the best guys playing in the same tournament. How do we contextualize records? How, how do we... Uh, you know, determine where guys stack up in golf history, which the legacy of this game is so important to the game of golf. I mean, how do you compare now Cam Smith and, and DJ and, and these guys, how do you compare them with Scotty Scheffler and, and with Victor Hovland? You can still, it hasn't gotten too far away from you, but we can't do this whole, you know, divide and conquer thing for another 10 years. It's not going to work. So I agree with you, Sam. I, I think by the end of 2024, we will have a plan in place to get the best players in the world back competing on the same stages more often than just four times a year. Hey, Colby, you, you kind of hinted at it there when you brought up SSG, the strategic sports group. Now, I don't think we mentioned I don't think we mentioned on the show, I think it happened during our, our hiatus after the Holies, where we're, we could potentially have a, a sports group that includes the Major League uh, or the Boston Red Sox owner. It's not just the Boston Red Sox owner. It's it's a group called the Fenway Sports Group, for instance. They were the one that was owning Rory McIlroy's TGL team before that deflated. Literally. Thank you for the insight there. So, yeah. So, it's, it, it, long story short, it's potentially $3 billion being pushed in the game of golf that could be separate from the PIF. So, in my opinion, that could... If we don't have a merger somewhat close to in place, that could at least delay it. If we have a potential $3 billion coming in to the game, that's going to not necessarily rush the deal to get uh, a deal with the Saudis done. You are right, yeah, Colby, though. We, we, we can't even go one more year. We got to get this done this year. Because the longer this goes, the more the Saudis are not going to go away. They're going to keep 
being in the way. So we've got to get this done this year. And whether it's the Fenway group with the Saudis, which that could happen. I don't I don't think Yasser is such a jerk in this guys that he has to own everything. If he does, he'll do it slowly but surely. He'll do it a long way. He's not trying to do it overnight. But we have we cannot go, guys. If if we're done in two twenty four and we still haven't got something, we got us a real problem then. It's, it's, yeah. it's been bad enough as it is. Don't go another year. Get this figured out. I think so, too. And, and just to respond to what Taylor said about SSG potentially um, providing $3 billion that could delay kind of a, a merger, a partnership coming together between Liv and the PGA Tour, I, I do think that that's a possibility. I don't think that's going to happen. And the simple reason is why would SSG offer up that amount of money if they had no guarantees that all the best players in the world were going to be playing together with the product that they've invested in, and they have no guarantees that Joffrey's not going to go, that Cantlay's not going to go. I mean, the tour could lose another five of the top ten players that they have left. So I don't think SSG would put up that kind of money without some guarantees. Yeah, but for I all think, the best players in the world. I think the only way they get involved is if, for instance, the way I think it would go down is say, in the public's eyes, Yasser and the PIF are only 25% of this PGA Tour live merger pie. And then you could have SSG, which is, you know, the the other percentage where then Yasser's getting compensated in other business areas. And then to the public, it looks like the PIF's only, you know, 25%. And these other groups that come in, they put billions of dollars in because they know that this is, going to be the product moving forward. Yasser gets his framework agreement rules to where what, however they want to incorporate the teams and however they want to maximize their profits on their end. And, and for instance, getting these live guys into major championships, I think that's going to be a big sticking point as well for Yasser as far as his framework agreement goes. But do you see what I'm saying? They're not going to get involved unless the Saudis are involved too because they can't afford to pay what the Saudis are going to pay. Yeah, no, I, I, you're 100% right. It's crazy to say out loud, but SSG and the Fenway Sports Group, I mean, these guys are poor compared to the Saudis. They just don't, they, they can't compete financially and that's just the reality and that's why for me personally, like my opinions and what I want to happen in the game of golf, like when this all happened, everyone knows I was very anti-live. I was, you know, uh, talking about the, the Saudis and, and the bad things that they've done and all this stuff. But, you know, reality just creeps in over the years. And the reality is, and this is not exclusive to the game of golf, the money wins. And they have all of it. So now all I want is to just be able to enjoy the game of golf at the highest level without having this cloud hanging over it of just this fight between the two tours and, and guys throwing jabs at each other and you know, Lee Westwood's and everybody's Twitter mentions. And I, I just, I, I want to leave the drama in the past and just get to be a golf fan again. Like, I grew up a golf fan. I watched the best players in the world compete against each other at iconic courses that I got to know and love. And it, it just, golf was great. And it's just worn me down these last couple of years with this split in golf. And I think a lot of people feel the same way. And, that, and that's why what you were saying, Woody, they need to get this fixed sooner rather than later. I completely agree because you don't want to run people off because your product isn't as good. And then guess what? You're going to run people off. And then Tiger's fixing to turn 50. He doesn't have a ton left in his career. He's a huge draw for a lot of people. Where does the next wave of golf fans come from? Um, 
at this point, I'm just ready for him to get it fixed sooner rather than later. And whatever the percentages are, that's fine. Just just let me watch my golf at this point. And T-Dub, I want you to speak on this for a second because you understand it a whole lot better than everybody else does because you're just so immersed in it. It's the fact that the PGA Tour sponsors for instance, they were all promised, and Colby, I think, was the one that mentioned this earlier, but the PGA Tour sponsors were promised that everybody at that Delaware players meeting will be in these 2024 PGA Tour tournaments, and the best of them all, arguably, John Rahm will not be in any of those PGA Tour tournaments, so the sponsors are pissed off, and one side of this whole merger that we're talking about, the PIF, they have time to bleed the PGA Tour out and let those sponsors be upset. The PGA Tour doesn't have time, uh, to Woody and Colby's point, and, and just speak a little bit more on that. Well, what's funny is the PGA Tour is dealing with it from both sides. They have the sponsors who are obviously upset that the best player, for example, John Rahm, isn't going to be there, and even the other guys that left live. And then you have some sponsors who are upset that their tournament became an elevated event because they had to increase their purse size so much. You have a, a tournament like Bay Hill that had to pump its purse size up almost 40%, and they were getting, what, maybe two more players that they usually wouldn't get for an elevated event? They're like, why are we going to pay that much more money for this? But MasterCard was not very happy about that situation. Like I've been saying forever, it's classic game theory. The Saddles can just wait it out if they wanted to and just poach the PGA Tour of their players. Whenever John Rahm left, I brought up this and now, just like when Kevin Durant went to the Warriors, not only did the Warriors get one of the best players, but they took one of the best players away from their closest competitor. That's what makes it that much better for, for living from that perspective. When you talk about money always wins, I will say this to the point earlier about the SSG uh, group, is that I do think the merger will happen between Liv and the PGA Tour, and I think it will happen this year. Because as you said, it's what needs to happen for the game of golf. I just think that instead of it getting done extremely immediately, maybe the PGA Tour, knowing that they have this money there, can say on the few kind of like tweener things that they're arguing about, they can try to wait them out a few months longer than they would. That's what I mean whenever I say it may be delayed. It may not just be this PGA Tour merger might not happen as quickly as it would if this money in this group wasn't there. Yeah, that's fair. The, the SSG money could potentially, I think what you're saying, just give the tour a little more leverage in negotiations as, a part, as, as opposed to dragging this thing out for another half decade. Well, you guys, being the old part in the group, uh, what I can compare this to, and you won't like this comparison, but I can compare it to it, it's where the United States of America is right now. You have 75 million people that think one way, and you have 75 million people that think the other way. Well, how are we doing? How's the United States doing right now? Guys, we suck. So until you get on the same team, you're going to be that, okay? You're going to be at a constant battle. And it, I hate where we are with golf. I hate where we are with our country right now. We are supposed to be all for one, one for all, unified. That's what we're talking about with this golf. We must become unified. I don't care how they do it. I'm not part of it. But if I was in a room for two minutes with them, I'd look at both sides and I'd go, you idiots got to figure this out now. Because what you're doing is you're dragging the game of golf through the biggest mud hole I've ever seen, and I'm tired of watching it. I'm sick of it. Did I think the PGA Tour was a monopoly and needed to have its head slapped? I said it all year long. That's why I was all for live. Okay, now I've seen enough. Jay Monahan, you go. You get out. You are no good. You cannot do your job. 
You've already proved it to me. Somebody get in there. I don't care who it is. Get this figured out. But I'm tired of this, guys. It's it's not good. It's not good for any of us. No, you're right. And I've even had PGA Tour players, current PGA Tour players, wanting Jay Monahan fired that they don't trust the guy either. But, Colby, I'm curious to get your perspective on this as far as obviously it makes sense for a guy like Rom to go to live because he won the Masters. He's going to be in there forever. You know, obviously the U.S. Open win as well. So he's going to be in the majors for the next five years uh, while they're trying to figure all this stuff out. For a guy like Taylor Gooch, for instance, who had a great year last year, he needs the PGA Tour and live to get this stuff figured out. And obviously the easy fix for all of this would be to get the top 10 guys from this year into the major championships from the live money list. Right. And so if these two do merge together, how are they going to decide who are in the majors in 2025? Do you see what I'm saying? Because I mean, obviously, these guys aren't compensated for OWGR points over the last couple of years, not even including this year in 2024. So how are they actually going to decide who or what the official world golf ranking would actually be uh, if they were doing it all fair in the first place? Yeah, that's, uh, boy, that question's way above <laughs> my pay grade. As far as to how they're going to figure it out, because I don't know how they're going to figure it out. Taylor Gooch, um, I, I don't know where he's at in the rankings. I would assume that he's not eligible for any of the four majors this year. Is that correct? I don't None. think so. I don't think he's no, in any majors next year. And he's the live individual champion, won three times on live. I mean, what a joke. And and John, for yeah, instance, John Rahm's going to go down the official world golf ranking list also. It's just a big-time fat joke. Yeah, so obviously that's, that's going to be super goofy for Taylor Gooch to not uh, be in any of the majors this year. And who knows? He might try to qualify and get in the U.S. Open in the Open. But the fact that he won't be exempt for those tournaments is still wrong. And it's, it's painting a picture of what's wrong in the game of golf right now and, and that nobody can figure out any of these common sense things to make it work because everybody yeah, is well. just still too stuck in the mud a little bit on their side. Um, as far as the, the, the John Rahm aspect that you mentioned, I think that the timing for Rahm actually makes a ton of sense because what does John Rahm care about more than anything? in the game of golf. It's the Ryder Cup. John Rahm lives for the Ryder Cup. And he played in the Ryder Cup. He had a great year, won four times. He won the Masters. He's, he's you know, exempt for everything over the next five years. Now he gets to cash in with whatever it was, three, four, five hundred million dollars, go over to live. And I think he kind of knows. He, he sees the writing on the wall. He knows the two tours will come together before the next Ryder Cup. So the timing from that aspect makes a bunch of sense. Because he can get all the money and not miss a single Ryder Cup. And I, I think that that weighed heavily into Rom's timing of his decision. I mean, the Ryder Cup was played in September, and he was, uh, he was a member of Live before the end of the year. So um, that's, that's what I think happened with the timing anyway for John Rom. It was the best time for him. And then, too, to Sam's point earlier, and as he's been saying for a long time, we just give the top 10 guys from last year, for what would have been 2023. Standings on live, get them made. Here's the top 10 in the standings Taylor Goose, Cameron Smith, Bruce Kepka, DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, Harold Varner, the third, Mito Prayer, Brendan Grace, Charles Howe, the third. Would anyone have any problem with any of those guys being in a major? Like, it's the simplest solution possible. All those guys are world class players. All of them deserve to be in majors. A lot of them were already being majors from their past accomplishments. But yeah, I think it's, it's clear as day that's what they should do, at least at this point, to make it simple. Well, one thing we got to remember, guys, we we know why Taylor did what Taylor did. 
generational wealth, okay? And I don't knock him in one way, shape, or form. I do not. I mean, he has made enough money the last two years playing live that he should never have to worry about it, nor should his kids ever have to worry about it again, okay? Now, he took a gamble, and it's going to hurt him this year. That was a gamble he took that those majors weren't going to be possible. And if that happens and he doesn't get in any of them this year or they haven't figured out a way to get any men the next few years, which I can't possibly imagine that happening to him, he rolled the dice on the fact that he wanted to make sure his family was secure. Good for him. He did that. Okay. But as a golfer, he deserves the right to still at least have a chance to get in those major championships. So that's why we must find a way to get this all together. And then I've got enough faith in Taylor Gooch's game. He'll get right back out there and he'll be one of those top 50, 60 guys in the world and he'll make lots more money. But again, some of those guys that went to live, they weren't of those stature with major champions. That's rolling the dice. It's paid well for them. But you know what, guys? Okay, now we got to get this all situated. And if Taylor misses a year of majors and he made $70 million, guess what? I'd skip four majors to win $70 million. I'm good with that. No doubt about it. Uh, Colby, before we change subjects here to the distance debate that I want to get your thoughts on, I do have to know, what did that little clown Brandel say in all his little Golf Channel group text on June 6th? Uh, surprisingly enough, I was not at a high enough level that I was in any group text with Brandel Champlain. So I, I cannot shed any light on that. Um, and to tell you the truth, I, I didn't even watch a ton of Brandel this summer. I just, this whole thing has just, good it, for it's, you. Just been too, it's just been too much. Like it really has just been too much. And like y'all do the podcast, you have to stay on top of it every single week. And I just got to the point where like, I wasn't doing the podcast. I, I was still doing stuff with NBC, but I could just kind of focus on what I needed to, and I could just stay away from the drama. And it was just so much easier to stay away from the drama, and that's, that's mostly what I've done these past six months. Um, so yeah, by the way, I do have one thing. I've got a bone to pick with you all on the holy. Okay. And it's not about Brandel. It's not about Brandel. <laughs> it's shot of the year. Okay. Nobody mentioned, nobody mentioned the actual shot of the year. What was Guys, it? Wyndham, Wyndham bleeping Clark won a major, and he did so because he pulled out a three wood on the hole that Rory McIlroy butchered, like he'd been doing it his entire life. And Wyndham Clark cut a 276 yard three wood up to 14 feet for a little two putt birdie to win a major championship. It was the best shot I saw all season. Nobody even mentioned it. No, that's a good point. I was just too focused on. Everything that happened, you're talking about the 14th hole at LA Country Club, right? Obviously, the hole that Rory stuffed it in the lip of the bunker, got a embedded lie, and all of that. We were just too focused, and and then I gave my worst shot of the year to, uh, or worst chip of the year, I think, to Rory McIlroy's straightforward chip that he pushed 10 feet and hit 10, 10 feet by the hole, and he didn't get it up and down on that very hole. Yeah, that was a good one. I, worst wedge was definitely him dumping it in the bunker. I don't know if we're counting more Kawas. Uh, one at at Century Taylor. I think it maybe it was you. What what did you nominate Morikawa for when he laid the thought over at Century? Was that for worst chip? I I don't know if that qualified as a chip. I I do think I qualified that as worst chip. 
straight up a hill, but yeah, I qualify that as my worst chip because it was the worst chip that I saw happen the very first week of January. So congratulations to Colin Moore. <laughs> <laughs> very uh, nice. Right, we we can move on now. I just wanted to show Wyndham Clark some love because that three wood was whew, that thing was sweet. I love it. I love it. So Colby, obviously, the USGA and the RNA are planning on rolling the golf ball back in 2028. All of us are against it. What are your thoughts? Uh, so here's where I've, I've evolved on the golf ball debate. So I was staunchly against the first, um, the first plan that they rolled out. Bifurcation, hammering the pros, not changing the amateur ball at all. I was strongly against that. And when they announced this recent one, my, my initial reaction was similar. And then I got into the details. And the fastest swinging players on the tour, 125 mile an hour swing speeds, those guys, they're going to be impacted about 13 to 15 yards. That's the USGA's estimate. The tour average of 115 miles an hour, it could be more of like a 9 to 11 yard reduction in distance. But what I liked about the new plan is that most amateurs are going to see less than a five yard loss in distance because it, it goes by swing speed. So, like, Physically and the science behind it, I, I don't understand how they're going to have the manufacturers create golf balls, and, and maybe it just really is. That's how the science works when you're swinging that fast. If you change the golf ball, the, the swing speed matters that much. But it seems to me like the average player is going to lose no more than five yards, and that's only going to be on like driver and three wood, and they won't lose any distance with iron. So I would also be okay with them just freezing it where it is right now so that it doesn't you know go beyond where it is now but i certainly think that this plan is preferable to the initial plan that they launched so i you you guys can can throw what you're thinking out at me but that's kind of where i'm at with the the newer plan that they've thrown at us go ahead t-dub hey sam sam hey before t-dub before you go i i gotta apologize guys i've got five percent battery i'm not where i can get one charged <laughs> so good, i wanted but i wanted to speak up here before and i don't I don't really have a big thing on this rollback. I know you three will have a lot more to discuss than I will. At my age, I don't care. You can cut me five more yards. I can't hit it anywhere anyway, <laughs> so I don't give a shit, okay? <laughs> so uh, I wanted to say, Colby, I love having you on. You add so much to our show, and I can't thank you enough for coming on with us tonight. I'd stay longer, but my phone won't let me, guys. So uh, you three handle this rollback, and whatever you come up with, I'm all in, okay? I'm good with it, okay? We love you, Woody. Woody. It was great talking with you. Have a great 2024, Woody. We'll we'll talk again sooner. We won't go as long this time. Don't. You better not, you son of a gun. I love listening to you. You guys take care. (laughs) All right. That's Jim Woodward teaching professional out at Oak Tree National. Now, Back to what Colby was saying. Colby, my main problem with this, I guess, is how do we know that it's only going to cost the amateurs five yards or the pros, what what do you say, 10, 15 yards, whatever it is, because we saw the tweet, I guess it was, or maybe it was an interview from Keegan Bradley, and Keegan Bradley was basically saying, I had Strixon make me a ball that was to the same specs as what the USGA and RNA were saying, and he said he was hitting his driver 250. Yeah, I, I guess that's the one caveat I should put on this thing is if they can pull this off and if they can create a golf ball that impacts the elite longest of the long in the world, like 15 yards, and barely affects me, I mean, I'm going to lose, what, probably three or four yards off the tee, I'm, I'm not even going to notice it. I mean, you gain that. I, I'm getting a new driver this year. I've had the same driver for seven years. 
I think I'm going to gain like 11 yards by just getting a new driver. I'm not going to notice a three or four yard loss. But if they screw it up and I lose 20 yards on my tee shots and all of a sudden I'm plugging in the lift of fairway bunkers, then I'm going to be upset. So I guess the caveat I would throw on this, Sam, and that's a great question, is if they can pull this off on this sliding scale and there will be no impact from the five iron down, even at the highest level, simply because of the swing speed, then I'm good with it. But if they botch it and all of a sudden we're hitting little foam balls out there, 220 yards, um, then I will have a big problem with it. Yes, that's a great question and a good caveat I should have thrown in there. That's what all this is based on is their little studies that they've done being absolutely perfect. And the odds of them getting this 100% perfect are microscopic, in my opinion, at least to the many layers as to why I think this is an absolute atrocity. I do think that for the Keegan Bradley situation, that's the worst-case scenario that could happen, and I pray to God that that isn't the case. If that happens, there's going to be a complete landscape change in the game of golf. Like that would probably be even more impactful than the than the merger that will come. I will say if they do go through with this, I do think R&D will improve slightly. So they should be able to create a halfway better ball than what uh, Keegan was using for Strix on. But we've been saying that all the time, right? What makes a good golf course? You add long rough, make the greens firm. You don't, distance doesn't matter at that point. So it's, that's why this is, and it affects so few courses and so few players in the whole landscape of the game of golf where every single player is going to have to deal with it. It's, what he was talking about this earlier before he had to leave, that the fact of the divide in the game of golf as that we have currently. And now, how are we going to make the divide better? Let's make every golfer hit the ball shorter. That sounds like a brilliant <laughs> idea. I just, I get that if their perfect plan goes to fruition, I still think it's a dumbass idea. But in my opinion, if worst case scenario, what I think may likely happen, I think we're getting to a point to where USGA may not be the leading governing body of the PGA Tour or of golf at the end of the day if they try to do this because if the ball manufacturers and PGA Tour, if they say we're not going to use this ball, I don't see how they can go through with it. You know who the big winners yeah, I mean, are in all of this, fellas, is the club manufacturers. Because the ball manufacturers are going to have to make new balls for everybody. They're not happy about this. But the club manufacturers, everyone's going to have to buy new clubs to fit the new balls. But if we talk about numbers on the track, man. And then, Colby, I guess my other point is when you look at the highest finishing scores in professional golf over the past decade, it's been at... Olympic Club, it's been at Marion and then Shinnecock. Those were the three highest over this past decade. I mean, what is cutting the distance 15 yards going to do with those courses? Those courses are already under 7,000 yards. Olympic Olympic Club and and, uh, and Marion are. Shinnecock's a little bit longer, but you get my point that those, it was narrow fairways, firmer greens, and, and longer rough. It had nothing to do with the distance of those courses. Yeah, I think part of this comes down, too, to golf's uh, just obsession with par. Like, par being the ultimate decider of whether a golf course is good or not, and, and I don't believe that. Um, I think good golf can be played, and a guy can win at 28 under, and I think good golf can be played, and a guy can win at even par. I think the obsession with par in the game of golf has gone too far. Let, let me ask you this, though, because, you know, Gordon Sargent is coming, and then five years later, there's going to be a guy who's five miles an hour faster than Gordon Sargent, and it's just going to keep happening. So let me ask you this, Taylor. Would you be in favor of just a freeze where they said, okay, we're not going to roll anything back, but we're just going to stop the golf ball exactly where it is right now. This is the golf ball that we're going to use forever and no more advancements in the golf ball. Would you be in favor of just a freeze as opposed to a rollback? 100% a freeze would be absolutely perfect because 
Hey, we're going to get hired. We're going to eventually have, and we still have it now, just guys that haven't officially made it. Get six to eight guys that could just swing 130-something miles an hour. You got a Kyle Berkshire who, all, who can figure out how to putt is going to all of a sudden come out within the next 20 years. And that's going to absolutely change everything. So yes, a freeze would be absolutely just fine. And that's what they should do. And in my opinion, and at least this is what I hope for the golf, I think that's what they're going to end up doing. Because this ball rollback, even if it does go into effect for a couple of years, then they're going to realize that it's horrible for the game of golf. And what the USGA really should be about is growing the game instead of trying to govern the PGA Tour. It's one of the reasons why I feel like there needs to be two separate world entities, uh, at, at least at that high of level. Play it forward, right, T-Dub? <laughs> Yeah, let's campaign to tee it forward for three years. Literally, the only thing I see on the damn golf channel. And then uh, players hit it too far now. Dial the ball back. It's, we, we could talk about Jay Mon and Roy McIlroy being hypocrites. USGA is way bigger hypocrites than they were on this. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I guess, go ahead. I, I guess my, my parting thought on the rollback thing is if they can get this exactly right the way they've laid it out, I'm okay with it because I think the impact will be minimal. But if they get it wrong at all, then, Taylor, you're probably right. It will be a disaster because um, you, you just can't have seven handicaps going out there and noticing a 25-yard difference in their tee shots. If those guys notice that they lose two or three yards, I, I really don't think anybody's going to be up, up in arms about it. But if they do get it wrong and it has a massive impact, then it will hurt the game, and that is obviously something that none of us want. To the point of the, this USGA study, right? on the yardages, that's probably under perfect conditions. What happens when you're out there playing in 50-degree weather with a 20-mile-an-hour north wind? How's your feather of a golf ball going to do in that fierce monstrosity? Or go try playing uh, the Open Championship with a feathery ball like that at Carnoustie when the wind's blowing 30 miles an hour. Good luck with that. Yeah, what a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm they're going to do, do some more testing. Go ahead, Sam. I'm against it like T-Dub is. Colby, is there anything else that's really pressing on your mind? You're the one that hadn't been on the show and been able to spew all the things deep in your heart. Uh, honestly, just one thing. Uh, before I left NBC, and I mean right before, I put my two weeks in the, the first day I was working after I got back. Um, I got to go to St. Andrews to cover the St. Andrews Lynx Collegiate. That was the new tournament that took place over there at the end of October. And I just have to say, if you are a lover of the game of golf, however long you have to save, whatever you have to do to make it happen, get yourself to St. Andrews, Scotland. It, I'm, I'm getting killed talking about it right now. Like, you, you step out there and you just you feel it. You feel the history, like the ground that you're walking on, the town. Um, you know, I was walking through the graveyard at 10 o'clock one night looking for old Tom Morris's grave. It's just, it is such a special, incredible place. Um, I, I got pampered because I was there with NBC, who was partnered with the Rustic Hotel, which is the hotel that sits just off the 18th fairway. So I had a hotel room up on the third floor with a balcony that overlooked the 18th and the 1st. I could look out to the left and see the Swilkin Bridge and the road hole and I, just overlooking the North Sea. It was, it, it was, I don't want to say once in a lifetime because I want to get back there at some point, but it was so like TV just doesn't do it any justice. I don't care what scores they shoot there. I don't care if they're driving the 18th green with five irons. The open has to keep going back to St. Andrews forever. It is such a special, special place. Um, I expected it to be pretty cool. I didn't expect to be as overwhelmed and, and just like as emotional as I was the, the whole time I was there, just about where I was at and what I was experiencing. It was very cool. I, I cannot recommend St. Andrews enough to the people listening um, and not even the old course the new course and the Jubilee course are awesome so if I ever go over there I'll be playing all three of those and hopefully I get to make it back at some point with my club 
because this was strictly a work trip. I didn't have time to play. Um, but yeah, have to, have to, have to go to St. Andrews. I mean, forget about the golf. Did you have a pint of Guinness while you were there as well? Uh, I did have one in the pub. Yeah, I'm not much of a beer drinker, but I had to while I was in Scotland. <laughs> the food on the whole is not very good. Um, you're mostly offered fish and chips and then really bland hamburgers that aren't that great. We went to a thin slice pizza, pizza joint that was all right. Um, we did go to one steakhouse in town where I got a, a Scottish Angus filet, and it was out of this world good. So it uh, depends on what you choose while you're over there. But, yeah, St. Andrews was just – it was so cool. You don't drive anywhere. You walk everywhere in town. Um, I don't even know. I was there for like four days. I probably, I probably logged 20 miles a day walking. So wear your tennis shoes, but definitely go. Definitely make a trip out of it. Uh, it'll be pretty special. That is awesome. Now, Colby, you were not on our Holy Award show, but I do have to get a few predictions from you for 2024. Now, we were all on the Hovland train as far as the PGA Tour goes that we think that Javi's going to have a massive year. Woody said he's going to win two majors. I said he was going to win a major. T-Dub, I can't remember if you said he was or not. I know you picked him as player of the year as well. Um, who do you think's going to have a did, big yeah. year in 2024? Uh, guys, I, it's hard to trust a guy who just putted the way Scotty just putted, but I, I just, I think he's the best player in the world. I, I think the putting thing, it can't possibly be that bad again, right? I mean, he was the player of the year and, and part of that was maybe because guys voted for him because Rom went to live, um, in the middle of the voting. The voting was open from December 1st through the 15th. Yeah, we never Rom even talked about seven, that. So. What a joke. What an absolute joke. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously... Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland should have won a lot more than Scheffler had, or maybe not a lot, but I, in my opinion. Yeah, Scheffler was so consistently in the top ten, but he also so consistently failed to get the ball in the hole with the putter. I thought John Rahm was the player of the year. Um, it, it's just, I think, so much time passed between his heater and when the vote took place. I mean, it was almost a year, and then he went to live, so... Uh, anyway, whatever. But we're doing predictions here. We're not looking back at the past. We're doing predictions. I think Scotty's going to have a monster year. I think, um, you know, Rom's gone now, one of his main con- contenders. I'm going to say it is a five-win season for Scotty Scheffler, which includes wow. a major and the, tour cha- and the tour championship. I think he's runaway player of the year in 2024. I mean, that's what you honestly, if you are on the side of the putting will get better and the ball striking will stay the same, that has to be your prediction based on how good he hit the ball last year. I'm just kind of of the camp, guys, that, yes, he didn't putt good at all. He was 250th on data golf or whatever it was in putting in 2023, but he was also striking it better than anybody since prime Tiger Woods. So which one's going to come to the mean? Probably both a little bit. Um, but if you're on the side, like like I just said, of the putting getting better and the ball striking staying the same, I think Colby's right on the money. And I think that's probably what's going to end up happening, in all honesty. Yes, the putter was horrible. But even if that just gets halfway a little bit better and the ball striking doesn't regress half a shot, which even if it is half a shot, he'd still be one of the best iron players in the world is you'd have to come way, way back. And then what a lot of people don't talk about is the fact that his short game is immaculate. He's one of the top five short games in the game analytically. It's absolutely crazy. So I agree with Colby. I think he's going to have a very, very large 2024 because the, I see the putter getting a little bit better. If the putter gets worse, then we're going to have something to definitely look into. All right, Colby, give me your major oh, winners work. and then let's get out of here. All right, major winners. Um, I haven't actually laid these out in front of me, but I'm going to go Masters. I think that's the one Scotty gets. I, I think he gets it again two and three years. Um, maybe I'm crazy. Maybe he doesn't. So I think Scotty wins the Masters. We're going to go to the PGA. It's the last place Rory won a major. 
He seems like a more focused Rory McIlroy. He's ready to put all this other stuff to bed and just play his golf. Um, he said in the interview that I listened to today on the podcast that he and his team went through a big data dump last week and realized that he was playing his best golf of the year in May, June, July, August. He was playing a lot more tournaments, getting sharp. And he said he's going to play more tournaments earlier in the season this year to try to have that sharpness kick in in March, April, May, and then sustain it. I think Rory's going to win again at Valhalla. You go across the pond, um, just about anything can happen over there. It's so weather-dependent. So I, I want to fully reserve the right to change this opinion. But that is one that uh, I think John Rahm could pick off. He, he's already got two. He's got the Masters. He's got the U.S. Open. I think John Rahm, a Spaniard, um, loves the way he plays. And I think at some point he will win an Open. So I'll give the Open Championship to Rahm. I reserve the right to change that pick as we get there. Uh, and for whatever reason, I did him out of order and I skipped the U.S. Open. Um, where's the U.S. Open at this year? For some reason, it's escaping me. The U.S. Open's at Pinehurst. That's right. It is at Pinehurst. That's, uh, that's a tough one because I've got names running through my head right now of guys who, who need to win a major and haven't yet. You know, Cantlay, Shoffley, Hovland. Uh, so I'll go with the homer pick, and I'll take Victor Hovland at Pinehurst to hit a bunch of greens and do well enough around the greens um, to, to win that week. So I'll go, what, what was that? A Scheffler, a McElroy, a Hovland, and a Rom which obviously that's not going to happen because some dark horse always sneaks in there. But if those four come true, that would be an unreal major season. Colby, very similar to my picks, which is not looking very good for those guys. But one, one prediction I need to get you on, Colby, because we haven't talked to you since his health has gotten a lot better. What's your Tiger prediction for 2024? Oh, yeah. How have we not talked Tiger yet? Um, the hero was very encouraging. Some of the things he was saying at the hero, he said he wants to play once a month. I mean, that'd be like any else, anybody else playing every day. Um, yeah, I, I have optimism for Tiger. Look, I, I don't know that I can come out and predict him to win a tournament against all these guys who are just, you have to play so well. Just unreal golf for four straight days to win. And I just don't know if he can do it this year. But I think a couple of top tens and maybe one major where we're talking about him on Saturday night, like, oh, if he could shoot a 64 tomorrow, don't think it'll come to fruition because I think just the lack of golf that he played and still some of the bodily things that he's dealing with. I don't know that he's going to be able to win, but let's go with two top tens on the year, and maybe one of them comes at a major where we try to get ourselves excited on Saturday night about his chance. Man, I would love to see Tiger Woods have two top tens on the year. That is as optimistic as it gets from our man Colby Powell, formerly of NBC and the Golf Channel, now doing his own thing. Now, now that you're gone from the Golf Channel, Colby, don't be a stranger. We want you on the show a little more often. How about five times a year, like Tiger, all right? Yep, yeah, no doubt about it. I wasn't on nearly enough last year. I think this is actually the first time we've all come together since the June 6th announcement, I think we tried a couple times. We couldn't get the scheduling to link up. Um, my time's a little more flexible now. I'm still very busy, but my time's a little more flexible. So I'm going to try to spend some more time with you guys throughout this season. We're going to do minimum once a quarter. I'm holding myself to that. And anything that we can throw in above that is just a bonus. So looking forward to 2024, guys. Love y'all, and I appreciate y'all having me on to kick off the new year. No doubt. By the way, Thunder game just started. Any thoughts on our Thunder, baby? Come on. Um, yeah, I've got some thoughts. I, I'm really wondering what traffic is going to be like, where I'm going to park. Um, I assume the parade is going down Sheridan, <laughs> maybe Reno. I think it's probably going to be Reno, right? The, yeah, it's probably going down Reno. So I'm just working out the logistics in my head of where I'm going to park. Um, it's going to be summer. It's going to be hot, but it might be too hot for kiddo to be there. Might have to have a sitter. 
I'm working through the logistics for the parade at this point. And then for our OSU, excuse me, OSU fans, uh, any thoughts on your Cowboys? Not only the football, the basketball is a little bit down this year, but you do do the podcast with our man Carson Cunningham on pistols firing. So, uh, what are your thoughts on your Cowboys? Uh, yeah, surprisingly good year after what happened in September. That was a disaster. I was ready to fire Mike Gundy. I was done. I, I was just ready to move on from everything. I've eaten every word I said at the end of September. He totally turned things around. Almost every impact player is coming back. Um, yeah, I'm very bullish about what Oklahoma State can do next year in a new look Big 12 that will not include OU or Texas as they head off to the SEC. I'm, I, I know people are split on it. I'm actually kind of looking forward to Oklahoma State as far as football goes, being a little bit bigger fish in a little bit smaller pond because Fellas, I'd, I'd rather beat Kansas State and Baylor than lose to Alabama and Georgia. So that's kind of where I'm at on the whole deal. <laughs> Colby says OSU is a Big 12 favorite next year, headed into the new look Big 12. Colby, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a great day. T-Dub, thank you. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. You can catch us on golfoklahoma.org and thesportsanimal.com and the Sports Animal app as well. We'll be back next week to recap the century and get you fully loaded for another week in professional golf and golf around the state of Oklahoma here on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd Hole Podcast.